Can you imagine what it would be like if right now, in this very moment, you were able to go back in time and have a full-on, face-to-face conversation with a younger version of yourself? If you were able to right now have a conversation with, for example, 10-year-old you, what would you say to that person? Or what would you say to yourself as a teenager? or as a young adult, what would you say to yourself if you could speak to a a 20-year-old version of yourself? I find this to be more than just a, a provocative thought exercise. By the end of the sermon, I hope you will see that question as a key to unlocking a very deep way of seeing the book of Deuteronomy and unleashing its power and its applicability to our lives this morning. This is an exercise that I did in my past. I've shared in a prior sermon how one of my therapists once asked me to do that very thing. I was going through a rather difficult and hard moment in my life, and so she invited me in that therapy session to look at an empty chair that was sitting there in front of me and imagine in that empty chair sitting there a 10-year-old version of McGray. I remember that 10-year-old McGray very well, a very shy, reserved, painfully socially awkward young boy, a far cry from the charming and (laughs) devilishly handsome guy that you see before you. I don't know why you're laughing at that. (laughs) It's okay. I see my therapist in a few days. It's okay. And she invited me to just talk to young McGray. And I remember saying to him uh, all of the things that he would eventually be experiencing in his life. I unpacked all of the hardships, all of the curveballs, all the moments that were going to be tough for him. I also told him about the things to celebrate, all the achievements and all the wonderful things that would make him smile. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I know that it was a combination of of comfort and encouragement and hope, as well as challenge and warning. It was a very important therapy session. But then the therapist went one step further. She then said, now, McGray, imagine that instead of young McGray sitting in that chair, imagine a version of McGray from the future sitting there. A McGray from 20 years from now. That was, that was not a fun thing to imagine, let me tell you. <laughs> Older McGray had a lot more wrinkles on his face and even less hair than he has now. But I leaned in and I listened for what future McGray was trying to tell me in that moment. And as I listened, I, I imagined that McGray telling me again about hardships that were soon to come and curveballs that I wasn't expecting, and and moments of joy and triumph and achievement mixed in with all the loss and the hardship. And as you might have guessed, in that moment, I heard very much the same message from future McGray that I was wanting to share with younger McGray about encouragement, comfort, and hope, challenge, and warning, that no matter what happens, No matter how much it feels like life is out of control, there would always be some things that I could control, like doing my best and living a life of integrity and trying to live the right way and and learning to be a person of love and receiving love from others. 
that there was always going to be at least one way to live, regardless of what was happening in my life. Still to this day, is one of the most powerful therapy sessions I've ever had. Now, I'm not here to tell you that you need to do the empty chair discussion. That's, that was helpful for me. It might be helpful for you. But as a preacher, as a, as a student of the Bible, as someone who is helping us go along this journey of reading through the Bible, it occurs to me that that exercise of speaking to your younger self and listening to your future self is exactly what is happening in the book of Deuteronomy, of all places. And if we see that, if we peel back the layer beneath all of the weird images and antiquated rules and customs and the mind-numbingly boring passages that we slog through in Deuteronomy, if we pull all that back and see the real conversation that is happening that spans the length of time of the Israelite people, we will discover something rich and meaningful and relevant as both a word of encouragement and challenge for us today. I think we get a hint that there's something going on here in Deuteronomy just right in the middle of today's daily reading. Today, in our journey through the Bible, we're supposed to be reading Deuteronomy 17 and 18. And if you do that later in the day, you will read in Deuteronomy 17 that these Israelites who are now on the brink of going into the promised land after years of wandering in the wilderness like nomads in the desert, there in Deuteronomy 17, they hear about the kings that would rule over them someday. What a peculiar thing for these Israelites to be hearing about the kings who would rule over them. Why? because kings wouldn't enter the picture until 350 years later. And then Deuteronomy 18, they hear about the prophets that would soon be entering into the Israelite picture as messengers from God to teach them the way to go. Prophets who also would not enter the picture until about 350 years later. It wouldn't be until King Saul, the first king, or Samuel, the first prophet, that they would ever hear about kings and prophets. Why in Deuteronomy do they hear about this? It would, it's a weird thing. It would be like opening our American history textbooks and reading about how the pilgrims during that first Thanksgiving dinner were debating Brexit. <laughs> it would be like reading in our textbooks about the colonists who were concerned about the Cold War with Russia or about how the founding fathers were trying to figure out how to combat cybersecurity. It wouldn't make any sense. None of those things would happen for another 350 years, generations after those early Americans lived. But that's what's happening in Deuteronomy. Why? Well, I think that's a hint as to what's happening here. That the book of Deuteronomy, in fact, was not written at the time of the Israelite exodus. It was actually written by a future version of the Israelites, not those who wandered in the exodus, but those who were suffering in the exile some 800 years later. And a lot happened to the Israelites in those 800 years, and we're going to read all about it in the next six or seven weeks. Yes, they did enter the promised land. Yes, they did conquer Canaan. We're going to read all about that starting this week in the book of Joshua. And then they would settle into 12 tribes and try to figure out how to be faithful to God. They would have their ups and their downs, and we're going to read about that in the book of Judges. 
And then, yes, eventually they're going to have their first king because they wanted a king like all of the other countries, and they would get their first king in the person of Saul, who would be anointed by the first prophet, Samuel, some 350 years later. And we're going to read all about that in 1 Samuel and 1 Kings and 1 Chronicles. But then things would go horribly wrong. After Saul, after David, after Solomon, the kingdom would fall apart. It would be divided into civil war, into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and both of those kingdoms would meet their fate. The northern kingdom would be conquered by the Assyrian Empire, and the southern kingdom, the Israelites in the south, in 586 B.C., some 800 years after they entered the Promised Land, they would be conquered too by the Babylonian Empire, who would sweep in, destroy the temple, pick up the Israelites, whisk them away into captivity, into exile in Babylon, and all would be lost for them. They would question where God was. They would question God's faithfulness and God's promises. They would go through what was the darkest and most difficult moment in all of Israelite Hebrew history in the Old Testament. And it would be there, in the midst of exile, that they would have a bit of a therapy session with God. The prophets who would speak to them would encourage them to imagine a conversation with their younger selves, to imagine a time long before the exile, long before the monarchies of Saul and David and Solomon, long before the judges, and even long before Joshua, and think of a time when they saw God's faithfulness in the past. And there in the midst of exile, they would root their whole new conviction and all of their certainty on the God who was faithful to lead them to freedom from Pharaoh and into the promised land through the wilderness journey. And they begin to have a conversation with a younger version of themselves, that younger version who was about to claim the promised land. And that's when they wrote down the book of Deuteronomy, a book which takes the form of Moses, imagining Moses in his final days preaching his very last sermons to the Israelite people and reminding them once again of all of the laws and the customs that they would adhere to. In fact, that's why we get the name Deuteronomy, which literally means second law. It was a reminder from Moses to those young Israelites about everything that they would have to do to remain faithful to God so that even though everything would eventually feel like it was out of their control, that there was still one thing they could control, their fidelity, their faithfulness, their steadfast commitment to God, that one way that they knew they needed to live. And so it was there that in the midst of the exile, they began to share the words of encouragement to their younger selves, and they began to listen to their future selves about how to remain steadfast and strong in the midst of their exile. And if you lean in, if you read these words of Deuteronomy, particularly the Scripture reading for today, Deuteronomy chapter 10, if you lean in and point your antenna heavenward, you can hear it too. You can hear your future self 
giving you words of encouragement and words of challenge. As a congregation, if we read Deuteronomy 10, we can listen to a future version of Hyde Park United Methodist speaking the words of Deuteronomy 10 to us as well. And if we lean in, we can hear the future of the Spirit of God speaking to us about fidelity and remaining steadfast in our commitments, even in the midst of a broken and dark and hurting world. These are not just words that are dusty and ancient from our past. These are words from a God who was already ahead of us and a people who has already gone before us to tell us how to live right now today. And we get that message right at the outset of today's Scripture reading. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13 and 16, Moses says, what does the Lord your God ask of you? Only this, to revere the Lord your God by walking in all His ways, by loving Him, serving the Lord with all your heart and being, and by keeping the Lord's commandments. So circumcise your hearts and stop being so stubborn. These are not just words from the past. The structure of Deuteronomy suggests that these are words spoken to us by the future version of ourselves, reminding you that while there is heartache and suffering in your life and while we live in a broken and dark world today, there is one thing you can control, one thing you can always control. You can stay true. You can remain faithful. You can remain steadfast in your commitment to God even when it is costly, even when it's easier to compromise your principles, even when it's easier to give in to where the culture wants you to live, it is clear that Deuteronomy 10 tells us to hang in there. Stay tough, stay true, keep walking in the one way that leads to life. But it's not done. Deuteronomy 10 is not finished. It goes one step further, not just to talk about your individual life, but the impact that you can and should make on other people. Listen to these words from Deuteronomy 10, verses 18 and 19. God enacts justice for orphans and widows, and He loves immigrants, giving them food and clothing. And that means you must also love immigrants because you were immigrants in Egypt. The future version of yourself, the future church is telling us today that we shouldn't use all of our resources just for ourselves, that we shouldn't just use our influence and our capacity to meet our own needs, that in fact we have to use all that God has given us to help those who need help. You know, those words, orphans and widows, that's one of the Bible's most common phrases. It occurs close to 70 times in the Old Testament alone. Why? Because the Bible tells us that we not only have to care for those children who have no parents or those people who have no family, but that we have to care for everyone who is oppressed, everyone who is voiceless, everyone who feels like they have lost status and stature in society, all of the orphans and widows within our influence, and to not be so stubborn as to keep all of our privilege to ourselves, but to use them to benefit other people. The question that our future selves is asking us today is, will you use all of your capacity just for yourself, or will you use it to better the lives of others? 
Those exiled Israelites learned it the hard way because throughout that 800 years between the promised land and exile, they used all of their capacity just for themselves, and they failed to care for orphans and widows, and they treated the immigrants without dignity, and they paid the price, and they were trying to tell the younger version of themselves to not make the same mistake. And our future selves are telling us to not make that mistake too. I don't think it could be any clearer that we are to treat the immigrants with dignity, especially in a time, as Sally said in her congregational prayer, that we live in a time of crisis when it comes to immigration and refugees. Remember, the Bible says, that all of us are immigrants. All of us had our Egypts, that we are all strangers, and so we are called to love the immigrant, to care for them, yes, to provide them a pathway to, to citizenship, but to always treat them with dignity and to never treat them inhumanely. That is a true test for our time, and it is a word from our future. The most personal question that Deuteronomy is asking you today is what is your future self trying to tell you right now? about how to live. And if you lean in prayerfully and attentively to what the Spirit is trying to tell you, I bet that your future self is telling you to hang in there. That even though you might be going through a dark and difficult time, even though your future may be unclear, even though it may seem like so much is out of your control, God is telling you in the words of Deuteronomy today to stay steadfast to stay true to your convictions, to follow God even when it is tempting to compromise, to stay diligent in your spiritual practices of giving generously, of reading Scripture, of inviting others to Jesus, and praying with confidence and conviction, and in all things, to care for those who are oppressed and marginalized, and to use everything in your capacity to make a difference in the lives of others. These are difficult days for many. They may be difficult days for you. But listen, listen carefully to what God is speaking to you from the future as to how you can live today. I can think of no better words to offer than how this passage concludes in verses 20 and 21. Revere the Lord your God. Serve Him cling to Him, swear by His name alone. He is your praise, and He is your God. Let us pray together. O oh God, You are Alpha and Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You have given us this message from the past that is luring us into the future and calling us to live with faithfulness today. For any of us who are living in uncertainty and difficulty today, give us the encouragement and the comfort to stay true. For any of us who are too comfortable in our present condition, blind to the needs of others, provoke in us a compassion and a justice for others. We pray, God, that these words of Deuteronomy may not just be dusty words from an ancient book, but might come alive for us for the living of these days. 
Move us, O Lord, to compassion and mercy and justice, as well as comfort and hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we, uh, tomorrow morning, we unveil the latest episode of our Bible Project podcast, and if you're intrigued at all about going into Deuteronomy and looking at it in a very different way, uh, tomorrow's podcast is just amazing. It's a conversation with Ryan Bonfiglio, who's an associate press professor of Old Testament at Candler School in Theology. It uploads about five in the morning, and so I hope that you'll take a listen to that. As a reminder that it's not too late to join in the daily readings of the Bible Project. We are finishing the Pentateuch this week, which means we get to good old-fashioned storytelling in the book of Joshua. Uh, and it's, now's a great time, if you haven't kept up with the readings, to start joining with us now. Go to BibleProject2020.com for more. And in fact, to get us in the spirit of reading about Joshua, who is the subject of our sermon next Sunday, uh, the youth choir during the offertory will be singing a classic song about Joshua and the battle at Jericho. This is all a way of saying that as we offer our financial resources to God in this moment, let's also offer the fullness of our commitment and the fullness of our hearts as the ushers come forward at this time.